of a woman of God and then the ministry that she has inside of her, that prophetic ministry inside of her to be one day in the bed with her left side, not even be able to move. Then she comes up just that Sunday. It's like she never missed a beat. Come that very next Sunday, preached a word that just blew our minds. It's not, it's okay not to be okay. And I knew that was truly straight from God because there was some not okay people in the house of God. Am I right? Not okay. And I just truly thank God that uh, the word was on time. Used the vessel that couldn't even move on one side and was able to use them that day. I know a lot of people was nervous because she was jumping around and moving around. He's like, calm down. You haven't even, she got her own physical therapy right here in the pulpit. So it's happening right here in the altar. If you need it, it is here for you. I just truly want to thank God. So uh, for those who do not know, I am definitely a, a person or what God has the way I'm built, the way God is placed inside my heart, I love to talk about evangelism. Last time I was here, I was talking about evangelism. Next time I'm get up here, you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to talk about evangelism because it's so near and dear to my heart. And uh, I don't think that you could ever um, stop because the gospel is, is the powerful thing in this world. And that if you want to bring somebody to Christ, it has to be the gospel. Sharing your faith is so awesome. And in, and, uh, when you put your faith along with the gospel, it is a very powerful thing, but you have to share the gospel. And I don't think that we share the gospel enough. And that I was, when I was mulling over this word in the last three weeks, didn't know I was going to be up here preaching, but when, when I was mulling over this word, I was just thinking about, uh, do we really, the question came to my mind. I don't know if it was God. I just, you know, maybe it's just a thought that popped up in my head. Do we really care about the lost? Have you guys ever considered that? Do we really care about the lost? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about myself. I don't, I don't know what your life is, but I'm going to talk about myself. I'm going to tell on myself, Elder Robert, you know me. I'm going to uh, expose myself. And if you fit anywhere in there, you could just, you don't even have to say amen. You just, just keep it to yourself, and you could talk to, to God about it later. But how much do we care about a loss? Uh, there are many who come to Christ. Many of us in this house, I would, I would uh, venture to say that we came to Christ, whether raised in the church or uh, being uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind and coming to your altar, giving your life uh, through salvation and getting baptized. And um, when we got saved, for many of us, it was like all I can do just to be saved. But when I look up on the state of this country, I'm not, I'm not really sure what we care about. I don't know if we care about non-believers and it concerns me. And that's why I'll continue to talk about evangelism and how we go out and reach. I was, uh, uh, Brother Juan provoked me. I was thinking about uh, when we were talking about, I was talking about the barbershop last, on yesterday. And I was talking about how I, a witness tried to witness to everybody that I know. But I have a coworker that is right on the next to me that I have never invited to church. I've never talked to her about God or anything. You know, I'm just, I'm just living it. But some of those conversations, to be quite honest, they're not always about God. And I was like, man, I, I have never invited her to church. But that's going to change this week. I'm going to invite her to church. You guys just pray much for me. And it's not a, it wasn't a fear. It, wasn't, it just wasn't in my mind. You know, I've talked to my other coworkers about it. I've talked to a lot of my clients that have come through. But the one right next to me. And it, it hit me. It hit me. It hit me hard. So I wanted to mention that. And so I think about when we are, when I think about people that have messed up in life or you see them on the news, I'm like, man, I wonder who their neighbor was. Who is your neighbor? 
I think about the neighbors on both sides of me. I have talked to them about God. I've talked to them about who I am and who I serve. And they, you know, and some of them appreciate it and they have not come to church yet, but it's coming a time. I'm going to keep on living that life in front of them. But do you guys know who your neighbors are? You guys are new, so you guys get a free pass this week. Okay, you guys are new. But do you know who your neighbors are? And then more importantly, do your neighbors know who you are? Does your neighbors, more importantly, does your neighbors know who Jesus is, who you serve? Thank you. Who you serve. I think about Donald Trump and and the things that I don't like about Donald Trump. And I'm like, I wonder who his neighbor is. Does he have somebody in his circle of friends or circle of business that that serves God and not even talking about and just sit there and not even mention God? And maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know his life. I think about the people that who uh, get brought up on charges and you see them in the news and they are um, they're going to jail for a undetermined amount of time. And I wonder, like, who is their neighbor? Who is reaching out? Who is who is talking to them about Jesus Christ? Who is because we see it all the time. We go to work. We go grocery shopping. We wash our cars. We go to games. We go to entertainment spots. And there are people there who don't know Jesus Christ, who do not know salvation, who do not know. And they have voids in their life. That's why they're at some of the places they are, because they don't they have voids in their life and they're trying to fill it. And if if I could work just a little bit longer, maybe I'll find some some solace or maybe I'll find something that'll fill that void. Or maybe if I get into a new relationship or maybe if I I pick up another hobby, I can find something to fill that void. But God has in place inside of all of us a void that only he can fill. And if he has placed inside of us a void that only he can fill, he needs to fill it. Let me say that one more time. He needs to fill it. And how does he fill it? By using each and every one of you. Each and every one of us. We know nobody is exempt. So we get saved. We go out. I had a wonderful, um, this was on the part of my notes. I had a wonderful opportunity to uh, speak with one of the pastors at the Methodist Church, uh, David Parker. He's a uh, pastor who's been there for five years at the Methodist Church down the street. And uh, we got to coffee because I wouldn't let him pay for his haircut. So we were going back and forth, and this guy, Elder Johnny, tried to use the word on me and tell me that he would not, he was trying to talk about David when he was receiving the, the bread from the priest, and he said, I won't, I won't do anything that doesn't cost me anything. And I'm like, like, you don't know I'm a pastor myself. Like, I don't know the word. And I just hit them with that, you know what I mean? Even those are the household of faith, so I'm going to just honor them just a little bit more. And he says, noted, duly noted, well played, Mr. Giles. So he says, so can I take you out for coffee? I said, absolutely, sir. Your currency is to invest some nuggets in my life. And that's exactly what he did. So we had coffee, had a wonderful time. Uh, Pastor Parker, if you're watching, I know he said he's going to check me out because he was praying for me. I don't know. He thought it was my first time uh, coming up here to preach. So he was a little nervous for me. God bless him. Uh, And he told me that uh, his position in the Methodist church was... um, like the uh, military where you got, you got orders and they give you an orders to a different church. And so they were worried about the church of Oak Harbor. So they sent him to Oak Harbor and he's been here for five years. And every year you get your contract renewed. They, uh, they listen to the congregation and then they listen to the pastor's his input. And then some Bishop goes, take those, all those inputs. And then they say, Hey, we're going to renew you for another year. Or they say, Hey, we need you somewhere else. So it's really awesome. So he really, fami- he is really familiar about how the military structure works. And I said that to say, 
that in the military structure, when we go to boot camp, where we would talk to a, somebody that's somebody that's already in the military, they send us out strategically into the world. You guys get it? And they send us out to these different states and different cities, and then we sit in these little recruiting offices, and somebody comes and says, hey, I, I, wonder what, I want to know about this military thing. I think I want to join. And then when they join, they are, they are sponsored by this recruiter. Send them, they are sent to boot camp, and they have our RDCs, Recruit Division Commanders, and then these recruit division commanders take them on a two-month journey in the Navy. Uh, different, different branches have different times, okay? Uh, some are 13 weeks, some are 8 weeks, some are 12 weeks. But in the Navy, the, the one I went to, it was 8 weeks. And this uh, recruit division commander, and they give us two. And then we have two months with them so they can help us conform, transform some mindsets, conform some mindsets, and then lifestyle that, they, that we could be successful in the fleet is what they call it, the fleet that we can go out into any ship, to any naval air station, and that we will be equipped to know the lingo, to do the job, to get to work, and then do the mission that we have been called to do. Amen? And so once we uh, leave our recruit division commanders, we build a little bit of a relationship with them. We have parting ways, and then we go to our first command, and then we find out that we have LPOs, supervisors, chains of command, right? And so we have that mentorship throughout our whole life. But only... In the kingdom of God. I find it just a little bit different. That we come to the altar. We give our life to God. We're super excited. The people that brought us to Jesus Christ. They're super excited. Then we get baptized. And then everybody's like. Oh man God. We love you. We want more of you. We want to see what you. What's your gifts? What you want to do? You want to sing? Oh man. We would love to hear you sing. You preach? Oh well great. We could love to hear you preach. You play the drums man. Get over there and play them drums. And then when they get in. When they sit down. And they're being a part of the service. Then the hands come off. Then you're able to walk out your soul salvation. But there's always some supervision. There's always, but sometimes in the church of God, we are left to ourselves. So when, that, when we start to struggle, because the enemy, like just like if in the military, the enemy doesn't like that we've recruited. So they, when they see the U.S. Navy or the U.S. Army or whatever branch of service, you're the enemy. And so they're going to come at you. They don't care how long you've been. In. They don't care how long you serve. You are getting, you are, you, they're going to come at you. And they may have years on you. You may have six months, but you are still the enemy. Same for the kingdom of God. That there is an enemy that does not like that you have changed addresses, that you have left the kingdom of the, the world, and that you have chosen the kingdom of God. That you said, hey, I'm my constitution, my employment is for the kingdom, and I want to live for him. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to work this out, but I'm going to need a little mentorship. And so we were left alone. And, I, and I, I thought about, like, we have gotten too good about being set apart. For some of us, I'm not going to speak to everybody, but we have gotten too good about being set apart. Yeah, the Bible says, be set apart, uh, be holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. But when we get set apart, we get so set apart where we forget that we are supposed to be in this world. Can we talk about bubbles a little bit? That I, in my bubble, when I was a new Christian, I was like, I'm so excited about it, being a Christian. I'm going to work, but I have to go to work where? In the world. It would be so nice if my LPO was a Christian man. It would be so nice if my, my commanding officer was a Christian man. Then we could talk about those non-Christians that needed to be saved. You know, it would be so nice if the guy that was making my coffee, he was a Christian man. It'd be so nice that when I called the plumber 
he was a Christian man like like my pipes won't get clean if he's not if he's not saved. I wonder about these bubbles that we want to put ourselves in and we say that, hey, uh, uh, it would just be so nice and be less distracting. Do you think it would be less distracting if you work with a bunch of Christians? Oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. It is not less distracting. It is not any better or any worse. If I got a coworker that's constantly cursing right next to me, it is no different than a Christian who's complaining about the coworker that's right next to me cursing. If he's called us to be a light, and that's what I love about it, is that he did not call the world to come to church. He called the church, he called the church to go out into the world. So why is it that when we get saved, we really want to walk out that set apart, which is really segregation. Sunday morning is, I've heard, it is the most segregated time in the whole North America. Because if you don't believe what I believe, we cannot be, we can't worship together. If you don't know the songs that I don't sing, then you're going to sit down and you're not going to participate. I truly love those opportunities while we were on a ship because we could go to the liturgical service. I can go to the Lutheran. I can go to the Baptist. I can go to the, the Protestant service and I can worship the same God because the mindset is that God is there. And if I don't know the words, I'm going to hum and I'm going to rock to it until I can catch that chorus. We do it in the world, right? You listen to a song one time, you catch that catchy tune, and then you sing it all the time. You don't even have to know the whole song. So why do we do that when we come into the house of God like we can't participate? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know that song. It don't got the beat that I need. I can't rock to that. You can rock to it. I can rock to a hymn. I, I pop to a hymn any time and any day. You just have to have the right mindset when it comes to serving God. If you came for that reason, you're going to find it. Now, I was thinking about those, these, different, these different neighbors that we have. I wonder, like, I don't know, uh, I don't know any Klan members, but I wonder if the Klan members have a neighbor that would talk to them about Jesus Christ. The owner of Burger King, nothing against them, but does anybody know if he's serving Jesus Christ? Is anybody in the neighbor of the owner of Burger King? We must infect this world by sharing our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live with them, we work with them, we eat with them in the same places. And you know what? I have never heard of anybody saying, um, excuse me, before you take my order, Ella Johnny, if you are a waiter, uh, are you saved before you take my order? Do you, does anybody ask the mechanic before he starts working on your car? Is he, has he been saved by the blood of the lamb? Seems a little weird. I wonder, like, if, you have, if you're going to a picnic and, you know, we have, we're really picky about this, but do we, we go to the picnic and somebody's on the grill, do we ask them, do they pay their tithes or are they living for the Holy Ghost? You know, do we ask them that? I think that, I think not. I think that's ridiculous. So we got to get out of these bubbles. We got to get out of these, break these mindsets. Man, I, don't, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really want to talk about Jesus, Brother Sam, because you know what? Sometimes I do some things that may not represent Christ very well. We talked a little bit about, about that on Bible study, about being a hypocrite, if it's still the truth. And I was thinking about, like, you know what? If, if there's a, a, a smell of weed coming out of my house, and um, I don't know if I want to tell my neighbors about Jesus Christ because I don't want them to judge me. Well, I know, I know my coworkers listen to the music that I listen to, and sometimes that's not really glorifying God. So I don't really want to say, hey, do you know the Lord and say you're Jesus Christ while the music is bumping in the background? 
We get wrapped up in so much, and we want this bubble. We want this perfect setting where I might as well just put wheels on the uh, podium and just roll it around. Is that not ridiculous? It is, uh, it is it's so good that he left us free enough that we could talk about Jesus Christ without the settings of a church, without the, uh, the trappings that you have to have a certain um, uh, wearing of clothes. He didn't care about how many earrings you had in your ear. He didn't care about how many tattoos that you had. All he was concerned is that, that when you got your life transformed by the renewing blood of Jesus Christ, that you would go out and share it. And so when I read the Bible, when you read the Bible with a certain filter, and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it. I've shared that before about uh, when you read Psalms. If you read Psalms like a sheep, you get a different version of that. What that Psalms is a little bit more powerful. If you read it as a shepherd, if you read it as a soldier, if you read it as a father, it comes out. It comes out in full display. So when I was reading Jonah, Jonah, one of my favorite chapters. And for those of you guys don't know, briefly, I want to recap Jonah's life. Jonah was a prophet. And uh, God told Jonah, say, hey, son, I want you. And I'm paraphrasing. It's the Samuel Giles version, but you can read it. And it's in Jonah 1 through 4. And he says, hey, son, I want you to go to the Nineveh, the Ninevites. And I want you to go tell them that you have 40 days. And it's about 300,000 people in the Nineveh at this time. And he says, I want you to go tell them. And he said, I want you to tell them they need to come to, they need to, come, to, come, to come to know me. Repent for their sins and come to salvation. Now, Jonah being that Christian that, that has, this, who's picky, and that really funny, that I'm a Christian and I'm picky who I want to talk to. These were his, his mortal enemies. I don't want to preach to them because they're my enemies. I would rather see them die. Why would God send Jonah to his enemies so they could be saved? Wouldn't it be easier just to wipe them out? Guess what? We were once enemies of someone, but somebody brought us to Christ. And so what I, love about, what I love about Jonah is that this is a perfect example of somebody who, was, who, was, uh, who rejected the people that he had to go talk to. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Jonah, was, he was supposed to be sent. What's the first thing he did? So look at Jonah today. Like if you might not show knowing about a prophet, let's just let's say Jonah was a prophet. I'm Jonah. I'm a, I'm a, a today's pastor. And I would share the good word with you and I would make sure that you get your spiritual, um, your spiritual strengthening each and every week so that you can go out and be a witness to someone. And then God says, hey, Sam, I want you to go out and I want you to preach to my mortal enemies, which I can't even think of who would be an enemy for me right now. Uh, let's say ISIS. And I say, nope, not going to ISIS. So I jump on the boat, the first boat I can find, and I'm going out in the water. And when I go on in this water, everybody on that ship is like, why is these waves rocking? Why is things going on? And we got to find out what's going on. And then there's a brother downstairs. Who's that bald head brother sleeping downstairs? And I know exactly what's going on. I know the power of Jesus Christ. And I know that if I was to go to Nineveh, that these ISIS people would be saved. And I don't want them to see them saved. I want the white ISIS to be wiped out. Because they are giving us trouble here in America. So he sends Jonah out. Jonah jumps on this boat. And Jonah is, is, is trying to run from God. Do we have any track stars that have tried to run from God? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise mine for you. And so Jonah knew that the, uh, the waves of the world were rocking. And he says, throw me overboard. 
And these nice people, they was like, no, we got to find some other way. Let's, let's pray to our gods. Let's do something else. But then after a while, it got too rough, and they was like, that sounds like a good idea. Let's throw this guy overboard. So when they throw him overboard, what grace that God would have that he would put him in this nice little cruise ship. Well, they said it's a big fish. And if you've heard stories in, uh, on TV or in books, they say a big whale. But the Bible says big fish, so I'm going to say a big fish. And I was looking it up. It is only like 13 species that will be able to swallow a man whole and that he would still survive. 13 species. And it's, the, the, the ocean is filled with fish. But God set apart one just for Jonah. One just for Jonah. And Jonah was in this fish three days. Now think about this. Three days. I think the only thing that I've eaten that stayed in my body for three days is probably steak. You get what I'm saying? No digestion. But he's just sitting on your stomach. Now for the fish, if we can look at it for the fish perspective, but I'll be glad to get this joker out. Indigestion. But for Jonah, this was time to call out to God, to get things right. And you know what? When you are in the belly of a fish, I can just imagine whatever your belly of the fish is, that you're pretty excited for whatever God has told you to do once you come out of there. Three days? I can imagine the smell that he had, the bile in the stomach of a fish. I, I would imagine that he probably had a white, a really white tan, you know, a white tan. He probably, man, wasn't in a good mood, and he was starving for three days. Involuntary fast. And what does the, this big fish do? Spits him out. Now, he could have been in the ocean, you know what I mean? Throw him up and just be done with it, but he, he holds him until he gets to the shore and spits him out on dry land. Can you see the hand of God in that? That I was only moments, moments, in this deep ocean, I get swallowed by a fish. And I don't see the light of day. But when I see the light of day, it is on a beach. What would be the first thing on your mind? There is a sense of urgency. And uh, I was thinking about when I was watching Pastor Linda preach that there was an urgency. That when she came out of the hospital, that she had had a word that was burning on the inside. And I thought to myself, how, when does that word smolder and the coals get, get cold? Do we have to wait for God to do something else in our life before we get fired up about the next thing that he wants us to do or say to our neighbors, our coworkers, our people that we shop with, our old friends that we connect with? Do we have to wait until we're spit out on the beach before we want to share what we know about God? And do we have to be so knowledgeable about God that we can't share more than the transformation? I don't know. I haven't been serving God a very long time, but what I do know is that he is a healer. I know that he has healed my body. I know that he brought me out of the muck and the miry and that I heard about this gospel. Everybody in the house of God should know John 3 and 16. Can we put that up? John 3 and 16. And I was thinking about it is that, that we learned this when we were, some of us have went to Sunday school. Some people have never went to Sunday school. So that's why I think it's so very important. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. We've talked about that. That means you qualify. No matter where your, sta- your situation, your color, your skin, no matter where you are in the, in the climate of life, you qualify that whosoever believes, all I have to do is believe, yes, and in him should not perish. I don't have to perish. No, but I can have everlasting life. What did I do to deserve this? And then you can go on and share your faith. Tell them what Jesus did. Tell them what God did for our sins. We have to go out and we have to memorize it. If we can't tell our testimony, that's all I know. If this is all you know, it is power behind it. That when that word goes out, it will not come back void. He wants his people, the children, to come back to him. And this is where you can begin. Share your faith if you want to share your faith. But this is where you begin. Some would say I need to get things right, so, so I won't mess, I want to mess up anyone else. I got some issues, brother, and I, I need to get stronger before I can go out and share the gospel. The gospel is meant to be shared, and too many people are hoarders of the truth. Doesn't that seem selfish to you? That we get saved, we get ourselves together, and we, ain't got all, we don't have it all together until we make it back with him. But then we want to hide or hoard what we have learned. When I get stronger, when I've read half the Bible, when I, when I have a, a, a continuous prayer life or when I can fast more than one day and when I can stop cheating on my fast, then I start telling people about Christ. I don't know what your excuse is, but drop it. Could you drop it for me? Could you drop it for you? Could you drop it for that soul that does not know Jesus Christ? While we're waiting to get it all together, that is the perfect time the enemy can laugh in your face and say that he ain't going to never get it together. Until he goes back home with Jesus Christ. And as long as he's waiting to get it together, that neighbor, that co-worker, that one that sits next to you on the bus, they'll never hear about it. Because you're still trying to get it together. When I read the word, like I said before, when I read the word through the uh, filter of evangelism, I was thinking about he, put, he brought me to this scripture that says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, runneth over. And I thought about that. We say it a lot for, for offering and tithes. But what about evangelism? Have you ever been excited? And I noticed that people who evangelize, they're a little bit more excited than those who don't evangelize. The people that want to talk about Jesus who are excited about God and they talk about God, it's infectious. So once you get that first person that you've talked to Jesus and they have come to know Jesus and they're living for God, you get so excited. Who can I talk to next? Who can I talk to next? And you know what? I want to talk to my children. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Talk to your children about Jesus Christ. It should begin at home. And if your children can talk about Jesus Christ to their friends at the playground. They can talk to people when they're in the football field and when they're going to practice. It's infectious. But you got to believe it. You got to be excited about it. You cannot wait until you get it together. And you cannot wait until uh, until he gives you this perfect opportunity. The opportunity, I've heard it say that every day we get a chance and we get a choice. Who is giving us the chance and who is giving us the choice to share this great faith? Who is giving us this chance to share the word of God? So back to Jonah. 
Jonah goes and he he runs. And I heard it was a three days journey. I think that's what the word of God says. It's a three day journey. He made it in one day to the Ninevites to tell them. And this is the first recorded revival that I have. I was looking at. I was looking for it. But this is the first recorded revival. Three hundred thousand souls. that They would give their life to God. They would repent and come to know Christ because of one man. And he had 40 days to do it. How many days would it take you? How long are you living? Hallelujah. In the 300,000 souls, and he had 40 days to do it. I venture to say that if he can get up a mountain in a three days, in a three day walk in one day, then I think that he was pretty motivated that he would get it done as soon as possible. The Bible doesn't record how long it took him, but it does record that they did repent and they came back to Jesus. The enemies that he did not want to be saved. And if you continue to read, you'll find out that he, uh, he felt some kind of way about it, but I don't want to tell you what that was. Read it for yourself. Don't take my word. Read it for yourself in John 3 and John, uh, John 3 and 4. So this is one of the, this is some points that I wanted to bring out that I, I learned in this story that God was giving me that it takes a changed person to change people. Jonah, in his time of solitude, trans, he was transformed in this, in this body. He still was living for God. He was a man after God's own heart. But when he got transformed in this belly of a whale, he saw an urgency. He was received an urgency. And this next point, it says deliver with urgency, with desperation. Like you know that you know that this is going to bring somebody change. This is going to change their life. He should have died. Have you guys ever been there? What, did you have experienced something in life and you should have died, but you are still here today? And you have never told anybody, I would celebrate that. I, could, I should not be here. I can tell you that for myself. I should not be here. And every time that rolls through my mind that I could have been dead and gone, I could have been taken out by depression. I could have been beat up somewhere on the side of the road and left for dead. But I am here. God knew what he was doing. It was no accident for me. And since it's not an accident for him, it's not going to be an accident for me when I tell somebody about Jesus Christ. When I share my faith, I'm going to be excited because I know. And somebody says, man, why are you? It don't take all that. It absolutely does. I am so excited that he would let me live as long as I have. I have family members pass away younger and older. Why am I still here? By his grace, because he's got a job for me. And I venture to say I'm going to do it until he's, he's done with me. Have an urgency and preach with and share with passion. I also think about the woman at the well. You'll find this also in John 4. Read it for yourself. In John 4, the woman at the well, she had came into the, um, she came to the well to get water at the cool of the day. And I'm told that women usually come early in the morning to get water from the well. But she came in the, uh, in the midday because she didn't want to be seen with anyone else because she was ostracized by her city. This woman had been married five times and, and even Jesus told her the one that you with is not your husband. So he knew about her life. And he was able to talk with her and he shared some, he shared things with her and he did not judge her. He just told her the truth. And what did this woman do? The same woman who did not want to be seen by anybody who had to live her life against the rest of the world because she did not want to be seen. She ran to her city. Those who had ostracized her, those who had rejected her. Do you see yourself in that story? People that, that did not like you, that has words and they can talk about you. The same one came to the city and said, come see a man. 
I don't know a whole lot. I don't even serve God like that. But come see a man who's told I know what y'all think of me, but right now I don't even care. I know what you think about me. I'm still going to get my water at 12. But come see a man. I love that. The next one is preach the message that he has given us. And John and Jonah, the third three and one, uh, he reminded him after he got out the he got out this well. He told told Jonah to preach the message that I have given you. John three and sixteen. That is the message that he wants the world to know. Such an easy message. Don't make it harder than what it is. And I remember uh, one of my nephews, they had a paper route, and they would ask me. I had a, uh, I had a little blue van, and uh, we, used to, we used to ride around with the door open while he could just throw out the papers and stuff. And I, you know what? To this day, I never got paid for helping him. I did all my gas, and all he did was just throw papers out. And we did his route with him, which was really fun. I got the chance to bond with my nephew. But I thought about the message that, you know what? He didn't write any of the papers. He didn't have to give his opinion. All he had to do was deliver the message. And that's all we have to do. No one is asking us to write anything new. Read that. Read that. Which And if you feel like you have a hard time remembering it, open up the Bible and share it with them. Print it out. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your purse. And you pull it out and you can recite it. But that is the powerful gospel. The good news of who Jesus is. And the next step I want you to do is proclaim the gospel. Maybe it may be sowing a seed. Today, you might be sowing a seed with your neighbor. Tomorrow, you might be watering it with your coworker. You might be doing it with old family members, but deliver it, the good news in that way. And what is the good news? John 3 and 16. We should all memorize that. Um, and I love it. Uh, if you guys, can you put up John 14 and 16? I want to uh, bring that out also because we got many ways that we do things. But it says uh, in 14, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Is that the end? Is that the end of that? Oh, that's all you got? Oh, my bad. I'm, uh, I must have messed that up. But I wanted to say it was just talked about being the way, and I may, maybe I should have continued on. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I wanted you to know that is the only way. We all we used to talk about when we were little kids that uh, – uh, I love you in God's way or this is the way I do things. But there is only one way to the father. No one can come to the father but through the son. And we would try to say that we want to do it a different way. And we want to try to put our little twist on it. But you don't have to do that. Do it the way God has told you. Just preach the message that he has given you so that you would be successful in sharing your word of God. So let us stand. And I want to pray for you guys. And I want to remind you, now, if, it's, if, it's, if it's something that you have heard today that has uh, provoked you, I'm going to ask you to come up. I usually don't ask to come up, but I'm going to ask you to come up because uh, there's some, so there are some fears, and that's what God was sharing with me. There are some fears about sharing the word of God because I don't measure up to what I think other Christians should be doing or what, other, what I see other Christians should do, but we don't know their story. We don't know their life. And there are some that has been living in this bubble, and that we don't want to share our, our faith because we are just tired of people. People get on our nerves. That's true, right? People get on our nerves and we don't really want to talk to them. And we, and we, and just like Jonah and just like this woman, we have been ostracized by our community. And maybe, uh, 
while we're serving God, we have a hard time with people. I'm asking you to come up too. And those that you may have some enemies here, right here in Oak Harbor, which is not too far-fetched to believe, but you may have some enemies and maybe God is calling you directly to that enemy. Maybe that is the person that you should be talking to. I'll ask you to come as well. But our desire, Lord, our desire is that you would come to know Christ and that you would not be ashamed of the gospel. This is Romans 1164. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You do not want to be ashamed of the gospel because this is the power that delivers people from sin. This is the power that brings people to Christ and they know salvation. And if you have this power, why not share this power? I think about uh, <laughs> it's foolish to know that you bring somebody to Christ in one year and then you don't have somebody come to Christ for 24 years after that. It reminds me of an old high school guy that I mean, an old guy that well, he was a football star in high school and he kind of plateaued right there. And all you hear is the stories of him, uh, what he used to do back then and there. I want new testimonies. I want to I want to share what God is doing today. I want to hear that my coworker that sit right next to me, that, that she would come in and she had the invitation to Christ and that she would find herself in the house of God. And, and if it, even if it's not this house, that she would come to know Christ for herself before we part ways. So if that's you, I just want to ask you to bow your heads while we pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word, Lord God, and I am asking, Lord God, we are asking, Lord God, that every hang up, Lord God, every issue that we may have on today, Lord God, to stop uh, for not sharing who you are, Lord God, whether it be how we look up on ourselves, Lord God, remind us, Lord God, that you created us and you don't make any mistakes, Lord God, no matter where we are in our walk of life, Lord God, and how much we know about you, that we can pick up your word and we can quote John 3 and 16 or we can read John 3 and 16 and we can call those, Lord God, that do not know you, and we can invite people to church, Lord God, and we can walk alongside someone, Lord God, and we can water that seed, Lord God, and if, if it's so be it, Lord God, that we can plant that seed, Lord God, but we will not keep silent. Help us all, Lord God, with a sense of urgency, Lord God, that we would desire, Lord God, to see people saved, Lord God, whether to whatever title that they have, whether they be superiors to us, Lord God, or subordinate to us, Lord God, whether they be enemies, Lord God, self-proclaimed, Lord God, for themselves, Lord God, or before their friends or their enemies proclaim themselves to be enemies to us, that we would not withhold, Lord God, your gospel from each and every person. Our desire, Lord God, is to see your sons and daughters reconcile with you, Lord. We want to see your prodigals reconcile with you. We want to see our enemies reconcile with you so they will no longer be our enemies. Remove the scales from our eyes, O oh Lord, so that we can see people the way that you see them. That you have not given them those type of titles, Lord God. Only man does that, Lord God. But you see sons and daughters, your creation that you said in your word, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, I thank you, Lord God. That you didn't look upon us, Lord God, and see that our faults and failures, Lord God, but you yet saved us, Lord God. You yet cared enough, but Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for revealing your truth on today so that we would be without excuse, Lord God. That we would continuously think about evangelism. We continuously think about our neighbor, Lord God, that is needing you, Lord God. That when we hear the complaints of our coworkers, Lord God, that we would see the need. 